Welcome to the Parent Matters Podcast, where we help you navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenting and equip you with tools to confidently parent your children. I'm Susan Stutzman, and today's topic is parenting with both brain and body, where we'll be exploring whole person experiential ways to cultivate being an authentic parent through brain and body connections with your children. And here with me today on today's podcast to share her expertise is Dr. Bonnie Goldstein. There's so much I could say about her, um, but I'll just share a few highlights. Bonnie is a UCLA and Harvard graduate, a licensed social worker, a clinical psychologist, an expert in child and adolescent development, the founder and program director of Lifespan Learning Institute, and the author of many books. Her life's work has been and is to foster and heal relationships through the lens of attachment theory, somatic and mindful awareness, and dynamic interaction of group psychotherapy. She's a wise woman, and I'm so honored to have her on my podcast. Welcome to the show, Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you, Susan, and to all of you who are listening, who are making these issues that are so prevalent in today's complicated society, front and foremost, in your own lives, in your practice if you're a therapist, as a parent, as an educator, it takes a village to raise our community and bring our community together. So thank you, Susan, for bringing me here today. Well, thank you. And you know, Bonnie, before we jump into our topic, parenting with both brain and body, I'd love if you would just take a few minutes to share with our listeners a little bit more about your work and life and what you're passionate about, as well as your new book that's coming out. <laughs> well, thank you. If we start with years and years ago, so many years of learning to be a therapist, working in a more psychodynamic way, lots of interpretation, lots of traditional training, and feeling that there were some clients, some families, some children that I just couldn't reach through the talk mm. narrative, through the talk therapy, I started mm -hmm. looking for other modalities, training in lots of different ways from the mindfulness that back in the 80s and 90s was not as prevalent in our therapeutic community. Certainly, that's a tradition that's been around for centuries and um, since so many of our religious and or spiritual seekers found mindfulness as a resource for them. And yet, not a single class in all the training, both years and years at UCLA and getting a master's in education at Harvard and really trying to understand how people learn emotionally about themselves, how people act in relationship with others. And as I started understanding some of the burgeoning work that Dr. Pat Ogden had done with sensory motor psychotherapy, how the body and the narrative within the body shifts everything, shifts the story. And I started studying and I had so many wonderful teachers at the Institute back in 2003 at the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute that I kept on learning. And as our community here in Los Angeles created more trainings, we 
found that many people, just as myself, who'd been learning about traditional psychotherapy, had never thought about the story that the body tells, the narrative mm. that the body tells, because so much is known just as we gaze at someone else. That right-brained, right-brained communication is also reflected in the body. It's, we can't separate out the brain, brain, body, body, because we know through the lens of interpersonal neurobiology and through all the work that so many of our leading researchers have done to show that there is a brain-to-brain connection. One of my friends, colleagues, and teachers, Dan Siegel, opened the world of the brain when he wrote in 1999, he started speaking about the developing mind. And as I yeah. learned about interpersonal neurobiology and became part of that community, I could see the interweave of the mind and the body, top down, mind through the body and bottom up. What happens in the body as it forms our cognitions, our emotions, our thoughts, and our feelings. And that's what the book that I'm working on. Um, I'm first author with Dr. Pat Ogden, who joins me in applying the sensory motor psychotherapy tools to our younger clients, to our mm -hmm. families, to our groups, especially when you put groups of younger children, teenagers, groups of parents together. There's nothing more powerful than knowing you're not alone. You too. I'm not the only one who experiences this. So that's that's the foundation of my work. That's awesome. Well, wow. I mean, we could just unpack all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, I'm thrilled to hear you. You know, make all of those connections, and I know um, our listeners as well as the parents that I work with, um, and all of the clinicians here at Kid Matters Counseling. Um, we rely heavily on the neuroscience that Dan Siegel has helped to really um, create as available, I think, to the common uh, person so that we can understand why our child is doing certain things. And yet I think there, um, you know, I think that sometimes it can be really tricky for a parent to understand how to really parent from a brain and body connection. So I know that, you know, you mentioned, uh, you began mentioning about your life's work and about how um, oftentimes our, we don't always take into consideration that our body has a narrative as well as our brain. And um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that for parents, especially um, because in this season, we, I feel like um, there's so much that parents um, are concerned about, but sometimes it can be, it can't, there can be so much concern that um, is, is um, I would say, uh, maybe more heavily weighted in the, in the area of the brain versus body development and the body narrative because we are focused more on cognition or we do a lot um, virtually and so we do need more um, words or we do need more of those higher brain functions so I'd love for you just to give us an example of what um, 
a brain to brain connection looks like, what a body to body connection looks like and why it matters. <laughs> I love that you mentioned our newest in the last year and a half phenomenon where all of us find ourselves doing a lot more sitting, looking at screens. Just take a minute as you're listening and think about where you are, all of us who are listening now, in the space of the room. Are you sitting comfortably on a chair? Maybe you're on a walk. Maybe you're doing that dual awareness while you walk and you listen so that you're able to be accompanied on your walk, which is fabulous. Just notice how your feet hit the ground. For myself sitting here on a chair, I'm choosing to chair a chair that has really comfortable pillows, armrests that I can rely upon. Just notice your body and let your body sit in comfort, in space. Take a minute to re relax into your body. So often we're human doings going from one thing to the next and we lose track of being a human being. And one of the ways of becoming present or present moment experience or being aware of what's happening right here, right now, be here now, is to notice what's happening in our body. In fact, I have many people, if I ask them what's happening, they're like, I don't know. But if I say, just take a moment to notice what's happening inside your body, see if there's anything, maybe it's an ache or a pain, I can give a menu of that, or maybe it's a tingling with our new clients or new classrooms for those of you parents who have kids who are about to go off to school, perhaps for the first time in over a year, perhaps for the first time ever, if it's our littles, helping them be aware of what happens. The flutterbys in the chest, says one, one kid that I work with calls the butterflies. They say, I have flutterbys right now. If they're saying that, I might put my hand on my chest and say, wow, can you feel those flutterbys right here, right now? I might even encourage a child to put their hands on their chest as I'm doing. Maybe one hand, one, maybe more. Or a rumbly tumbly, that's another, another kid that I work with says, my tumbly feels rumbly. And while of course I speak with the parents about what we can do to give a child who's about to go to school a very settled breakfast, a settled tummy breakfast. So when we remove food concerns and we get just the right food, then we can isolate that the body may be having a reaction. The body is perhaps feeling the upset. And so we can help to educate. That psychoeducation is so important. I might say to somebody, let's put our hands on our tummies. I'm doing it now. Do you want to do it with me? In fact, all of you as you're listening, perhaps try that hand on heart, hand on tummy. I love both. I find as a speaker, this is mm. so settling. Hand mm. on chest, hand on belly. It really calms the central nervous system. I'm connecting with my heart. I'm connecting with my gut. And there's lots of research about the brain and the gut that by putting my hand there on my tummy, on my chest, I'm able to help shift my entire nervous system. And that 
becomes an access point for our clients, as does breath. Let's all take a deep breath. Join me in that. Can you feel yourself as you take in the breath and then as I speak, I feel the exhale? Just notice what shifts in your body as you take in a breath or two. Breath is often the thing that our younger clients forget about. Or parents, so many parents will say when they start to see red, they start to get angry, they forget to breathe. Then they get angrier and their voice speeds up and they get angrier and louder and they've forgotten to breathe. And if we can mm -hmm. change the path, inter interrupt the path, the brain to body path, shift the narrative by shifting the breath. I've said to one parent, I know I don't wanna hit my child. If I hit my child like my own mother hit me, I know that Child Protective Services will come, but I can't help. And I might look mm. at their hand, say, I notice your hand is bun bundled in a fist right now. Can you even make that fist tighter? Really notice that fist. And then I look at the fist, I have them look at the fist, I have them squeeze the fist, I have them really feel in their body that fist. I'm thinking of one father who said, when I do this, I can feel my fingernails, which are rough, roughly going into my hand. In fact, I, when I really hold that fist tight, I can feel the cut of my fingernail in my hand, said this father. And he was so worried and upset that he might rely on the kind of punishment he experienced. But when we isolate in his body the feeling and he can see his hand and he can notice how even when he's not in the present of his child, as he speaks about the rage, how it lives in his body, we can collaboratively find ways to dispel the rage. Even something as powerful as squeeze even tighter. If you're listening, try it. Take both hands, everybody, and listen very tightly. Tightly, tightly hold your hands in a fist and you can feel after a while the fists are shaking just naturally. Just shake them. Let that shaking happen. This is our body. And let go. And feel the relief in the aftermath of all that squeezing and shaking. And let your hand so, rest and just notice what shifts in your body when you let go. Because that is as important as any exercise we do, is the aftermath of isolating that tension, holding that tension, and understanding that tension. Yes, Susan. Yeah, so, wow, that, that, is, that is amazing. So let's just, let's just um, break that apart though. So as I was holding my hands in a tight fist, how, as a parent, is oh, that What did helping? you notice? As you as you, let's do it again, Susan, hold your hand really, really tight and think of yourself either as a parent or a lover or a teacher or in your office professionally. What happens as you start to do that? What do you notice, Susan? I notice my head gets really like in like heavy and that my shoulders and down my arms get really tense. And just I've... stay with that, stay with that tension and just see what wants to happen in your head and your shoulders. 
Just see where that goes. I see your hands are still tight. Keeping them tight, just track that, follow that, and see what happens. Where does it want to go all on its own? It goes way down my back. <laughs> wow, well really let yourself go there. Really find a way, maybe even, is there a way you can support your back even as you're here with me now? Yeah. Susan, I love the way you put your hand to your back, just checking it out. See, that's what we're doing. We're curious. We can follow it down your back, see what happens. And now what do you notice? And now, and now I notice that there's, that I'm not holding my hands in a fist. Wow. And that, and that the um, feeling, there's still a heaviness in my shoulder, but that it has, um, it's gone, it's changed. So it's really shifted and mm -hmm. we can stay with that shift. And you said it's gone. We can notice the aftermath of that or through the lens of sensory motor psychotherapy, we might want to say, hey, you mentioned there's tension in your shoulders. Shall we look at that? Now, again, that is a collaborative question or a frame that we're exploring because Susan, you might be, no, I'm, I'm done. I really just want to savor this new feeling. Or yeah, the, the tension that's in my shoulders, I didn't even realize it was there. But now that I realize that, I'd love to do that. And we can do another dance. And it really is a dance. It's a collaborative dance. You're responding. Let's say Susan didn't respond. Let's say I don't feel anything. I'll say, well, let's see what we can do to find that. And we can be curious together to find what happens. We can do exercises such as, in fact, everybody, take your hands and push them together. Really push your hands, open-fisted, or if you want, you can push your fists together. But as you push your hands together, let's notice what happens there. A whole new movement. Maybe you're feeling the tension in your arms. And maybe notice your breath now. What happens in your breath? taking a breath. What we're looking for as we do these movements, now stop and gently let your hands rest on your body. These are just some preliminary movements. There are so many movements that you can create all on your own with your body, with your arms, with your legs. These are just some preliminary ones. But as I'm working together, I'm hooking the meaning of all these movements. I'm hooking the meaning, the purpose, the insights that come up because that's what we're looking for. And often as we do these movements and as we become connected with our therapists, as we drop in together, we find that there's a lot of emotion behind each of those meanings. And I'm thinking of the father that I mentioned, the one who mm -hmm really wanted to make, break the patterns of childhood, didn't want to do to his kids what happened to him. And yet his body, and sometimes, sadly, his actions, found themselves unable to break the habitual cycle, the procedural cycle that he had. And so through the mind-brain-body connection, we came up with things. I'll give you one great example, a great take-home point. Often, when I'm working with clients, I'll say, if you can interfere with the cycle just by starting to count, 
count one through 10. And he says, all right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, I want to kill my... So I'm like, great that you were able to count from one to 10. I don't care if it's fast or slow. Remembering that is already part of the habit of breaking the cycle, finding a way to support your body, finding other resources. Now, the word resource is so foundational in sensory motor psychotherapy. What are resources? It can be the things that nurture us. One mom that I work with says, when I get really upset, I lock the door to the bathroom, safely leaving my kids with my partner, and I take a bath. And that way, by leaving, but I'm still here, I can break the cycle of anger or escalation of anger. Another child says the same thing. I know no good happens when I start to do the cursing that I'm so used to doing. I curse just like my parents curse. They can get away with it. But if I curse, I get in trouble. So that knowledge, that makes sense. All of us understand the knowledge this teenage teenager had. However, mm -hmm. that didn't break their pattern because when they saw red, when they went outside their window of optimal arousal or window of tolerance, when they got highly aroused, they did things that would sabotage the very things that in our office they said they wouldn't do. So we came up with something for them, a somatic trick, so to speak, a body-based trick. They loved the beach and they loved going into the waves. So we use that metaphor that they would start by imagining the waves that we have here in Los Angeles, Southern California. Imagine yourself going down to the beach right when you're starting to get upset. Imagine walking into the water and can you feel the coldness in your body? And using some of these metaphors that they loved because that was a resource. Picture yourself one of those waves gently crashing in the shore, going back out to sea, gently crashing to shore, and their body started to sway. So we embraced that. We said, let's use that. We capitalized on what on their own was happening. And we let their body sway. And as they felt the swaying and imagined themselves in the ocean, a whole body-based movement became their resource. And for them, they were able to gently sway in the midst of what we'll call the storms, the torrential storms that would happen in their family home. And they didn't get affected by it. And they were able to identify that this body-based resource served to break the cycle. Now, it wasn't easy. We did a lot of practice. We invited their parent in for a parent session. This teenager was part of one of the teenage groups that we're running. In fact, we're running all of our groups online still because the wow. pandemic was so challenging here in LA. So they were able to be part of a group online, parent sessions online, individual sessions with me, all online through the wonderful world of Zoom, they were able to embrace the sensory motor psychotherapy interventions. In fact, let me mention to our readers that if you go onto the website, sensorymotorpsychotherapy.org, and you look up some of the workshops that I've given, that Pat Ogden and I gave together, that many of our wonderful colleagues 
have been giving over the course of these last years, you'll find many, each of the seminars I've offered are free offerings. One mm. in particular is how to work using psychotherapy or sensory motor psychotherapy through the internet. And based on an article that we wrote a few years ago, which is also available for free on the website, you'll have this free two hour training. And then Pat Ogden realized there were things we didn't speak about. So she went back and offered yet another free addendum to that. And then we've done children seminars online, all available. These are the free workshops. There are some others that are for low fee, sliding fee. The um, organization really wants to make sure that these resources, these tools, these educational tools are available to everybody. Wonderful. Yeah. Can you share with our listeners um, the address one more time? And then we'll put that in the link to our show notes so that um, anyone who's listening or watching this can find those resources. They're located at the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute. Is that correct? Yep. Sensorymotorpsychotherapy.org or the Sensory Motor Psychotherapy Institute. And I'm at drbonniegoldstein.com. So it's okay. my name spelled with DR at the beginning, no dot, D-R-B-O-N-N-I-E-G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N.com. That's my website. We can really play with possibilities because there's so many things, all so many articles that are available for free on my website as well. So anyone that, yeah. that's wanting to learn about this, and again, I mentioned that I'm writing a book with Pat Ogden, that will be available through Norton. But if you want a taste of it now, please feel free to grab some of the articles that are available, listen to the webinars that are available, and continue learning on this beautiful journey of learning about how the body informs the brain. That's that that can't be said more clearly i mean it's a beautiful journey on how the body informs the brain and i just want to um just say a little bit uh, in reaction to what you said is that it's so helpful especially when you were talking about that father with the with anger and not wanting to repeat a cycle of hitting his children um, like he had been hit as a child and um and as you know, I know we talked a little bit about this before we went on air, that I had, I have just completed the first level of sensory motor psychotherapy training and how helpful it was to understand some of the brain and the, and how the body connects. And, and yet I, as you were speaking, I, I was wondering if you could clarify just a little bit more for our listeners. Um, who may not be as aware of what um, brain-body um, connection could, uh, ch transformation could look like. Um, th the link between, I know this is wrong, okay, I'm going to feel it in my body, and then I know you mentioned a menu or resources. So how do you get to a new pattern? Or once you've, once you've interrupted a cycle once, how would you talk to a parent who, let's use that father, who doesn't want to hit their child or doesn't want to scream at their child, and then they begin to notice or they're curious, how, and they are becoming self-aware and they're doing some of these exercises, letting them their body really feel it. 
how does it how do you pr help parents to promote um, a new cycle or to how do you talk about what change actually looks like from a body brain perspective well wonderful question and I will respond by saying we know that neurons that fire wire that's the beauty of all the brain research. It used to be a theory back when I was studying. Now we have so much evidence-based research that shows that when we start new patterns, we can hardwire in new behaviors, new patterns. And part just by thinking about it. Not just by thinking about it, but more importantly, once you name the goal, we work mm. towards a process of doing something because that doing changes the neurons, that changes the way we are in our own body, that changes the brain and the body. It's not just doing, it's experiencing something, recognizing and understanding what we experience, identifying that that is something we wanna bring into our lives or we wanna change purposefully, finding ways to remove the obstacles I'm going to give you the best example, which is one, we, many of us are in a habit of slouching. I know I do. In fact, I'm going to do it right yes. now. <laughs> and do it with me, Susan. Yeah. Just as you slouch, notice how different it is. I'm, I'm realizing as I sit here slouching, it makes it harder to teach, it makes it harder to mm -hmm. feel empowered. It makes it harder to feel as embodied. But when I come back up into my body, when I sit in this power pose, when I sit present, I can breathe better. I can find my body supports my breathing. The other way, it was a little harder to breathe. And yet, this is not nearly as comfortable. It may be a better way to teach, but the slouching is so familiar. It's this is how I would watch TV or read a book. But once we have that new way of being in our body. Once we start to develop a new way, perhaps I might take a pillow and put it to my back. Perhaps I might sit up in a whole new way of being. This starts to become a habit and familiar. And over time, I may be able to break the slouching habit. Now, I'm gonna give you a beautiful clinical example. I work with this lovely girl who was feeling so hopeless that she would be hunched up, her head down, she wouldn't make eye contact. And when I looked at that, I said to her, let's stay just like that and notice what happens in your body. You don't need to make eye contact with me. There is no need for you to do anything that's not familiar. She noticed there was an aching in her tummy. She noticed that her whole back was sore, aching in her tummy. What she was doing is she was taking her elbows and pressing them in her tummy because of the aching that she walked around daily. So much anxiety, so much fear, so much worry. And so I said, I have an idea. What if you take a pillow? And then there was a pillow in the office. I said, here. Now, Keep your gaze wherever feels most comfortable, but put a pillow on. And now push the pillow to your belly. Now it, it instinctively, her body, her posture changed. 
her head came up a little. She still didn't make eye contact, but by pushing this pillow into her belly, by pushing hard on the pillow, she got the same relief that came mm. from pushing her hands on her belly. And it shifted her posture just ever so slightly. And then so she took that into the way of being. She did some wonderful parent-child work with Dr. Pat Ogden. She came into group with me and did some beautiful work with her peers. And that new posture changed something from within. We didn't force her to have the eye contact. We were mm. letting that go, but we instead gave her a way of being more present in her own body. And yet, as we know, the slouching for all of us is a procedural pattern. Yes. So we want the choice. We can change those patterns. We can shift. We can make the habits of the body shift. And then they become more hardwired. I mentioned to you with this wonderful teenager, she worked individually with me. She also worked individually with Dr. Pat Ogden and also um, with her mother and Dr. Pat Ogden. She worked with me in the group. And the beauty of the sensory motor psychotherapy training is we videotaped a series of these sessions with her. She and her mm. mother have agreed to let us share little snippets. Every training has little snippets that identify. For example, for her, one of the resources was the pillow in front of her. We came up with lots of other ways of being that would make her feel comfortable. Um, we are always looking when we think about resources. It can be spiritual resource. I'm not alone. There's a higher power. It can be, I think about my mother. Just one quick story before we stop. Work with a beautiful, beautiful teenager who sadly lost her mother all too early. And she would smell something in the office. She had a little, little necklace and inside was an aroma. And she said, this is the aroma, this vanilla aroma reminds me of my mom and of our baking together. And whenever I feel nervous, like with you, Bonnie, when I came into the session, you're new to me, I feel nervous. I take an aroma, I take a smell of the aroma and I feel calm and it reminds me of the baking every Sunday with mom. And it reminds me, I feel like mom's here in the room with me, even even though she's not on this earth, she's here right now. She accompanies me as I meet you. And it was such a wow. beautiful example. So I'm leaving all of our listeners with that. What aromas do you love and why? And what memories? Does the smell of grass remind you of somewhere wonderful? For me, the smell of the ocean, the smell of West Los Angeles has such beautiful beaches in Santa Monica the aroma of the beach, I can imagine that, or I can conjure that, or I can light a candle that reminds me of that. And each of those, seeing the candle calms me, smelling the aroma calms me, taking a breath, it calms me. So I leave you all with that. I thank you so much for listening and Susan, for creating this space for all of us. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate it. And for all of our listeners, um, don't forget that you can get in touch 
um, or find out more about Bonnie's work and Dr. Pat Ogden's work in sensory motor and how the brain-body connection is so important, in the links below, you can find um, more information. So that sensory motor psychotherapy um, institute. You can find me, drvonniegoldstein.com. I welcome you to my website. Go to the articles and download and fill yourself with all of the different writings that we have elucidated some of these concepts and then try them out yourselves. Play with possibilities. Yeah. Play, and I love, I, again, um, great phrase, play with the possibilities. So if you're a parent that's struggling with anger, figure out first, be curious about what those feelings are, feel into them, um, and then work to not necessarily then to enact them on your child, but to feel into what your body is, is remembering or feeling, and then um, in a safety or in relationship with people, what are other things that you can do? Or what are things that make you feel powerful? I love, Bonnie, uh, your illustration of the pillow, right? Of um, you didn't tell the, tell the girl to stop feeling what she was feeling. That's not how you're purporting that you would break a cycle at all. It's feel what you're feeling. And then out of that, um, I know oftentimes it can, it can feel really scary. It's like, well, if I feel into that, I'm going to actually hurt my child or I'm actually going to get too big. But if you slow it down, then you have, again, like that counting um, or taking a deep breath, you begin to remember or have resources that you can move towards instead of um, doing what you don't want to do and yet still being fully aware of, I feel this, but now I'm going to choose something else. And in that hardwiring um, new patterns into the brain. Through the curiosity and saying, I wonder what would happen if you hold this pillow. Let's see what happens together. So it's playful, it's curious, it's open-ended, and I often don't know what will happen until it's happened. Yeah, that's, wow, amazing. And um, yeah, so if you are interested, please check out drbonniegoldstein.com and um, all of her work. Bonnie, thank you so much for being with us. And um, everyone who's listening, thank you. If you found this conversation useful, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join me next time for the Parent Matters podcast. And remember, don't parent alone. The topics discussed on this podcast should be considered a matter of personal opinion. They do not reflect professional advice. If you or your child is in need of mental health counseling support, please search out a licensed counselor in your area.